How did you do it? Oh, how did we do it? Okay, yeah. sorry. Okay. No, no, no. But, but what, what I, I mean, mean physically, is, how did we do it? Well, that sounds just like that sounds like a sort of stroke of luck. But there's more to it than that. I mean, how much effort were you putting in? Oh, we put lots of effort. You know, nobody got. Obviously, no one's getting paid. Um, everyone who was involved wanted it because they needed to do, you know, a feature film. That's what we want to do. We want to make films. Um, so we got all the actors for nothing. I got help through my agent. A lot of them are my friends. Um, we got uh, our DP we used to work at Panavision, so we got all the all the camera equipment for nothing. We struck a deal with the post, um, so they were going to do all the the sort of the, the shoot post, you know, giving us rushes and everything for free. Um, basically, we had everything for free, or all the the cost, for example, like the special effects, which is just a few gunshots. But you know, it cost a lot of money. But they read the script and said, okay, yeah, we'll come do this just for the material. Um, we scheduled it for 19 days, and we and yeah, we shot it, and it was a we went over every day pretty much. Um, but everybody was sort of everybody had a desire to, to to make it just for the fact that they wanted to make a feature, and um, then after that, sort of we went around showing seven scenes to people, and from there the film council were like you know we'll. Definitely, we want to pay for you to finish it. Mm. And from there, we've got distributors and festivals and stuff. Okay, and um, you, you, you start. You, you, you made this film really out of the frustration of not being able to get the cottage going. Is that right? Well, I mean, yes, but it's not necessarily the cottage. It's just the fact that. You know, I've done music videos, I've done some short films, and you know, I've spent a bit of time in America, and you know, I just wanted to make a feature film, and you know, it's very easy for if you if you really want to do something, you keep continually getting knocked back because nobody is going to give you that leg up, really, not for something that costs two and a half million quid, because you know, you could be shit and make something crap. So I was just more frustrated that the fact that I really needed to. Work. I really needed to direct. I wanted to do it. That was a, that was a driving point. Mm. Not for what it would be. I didn't give a shit about it at the time. I wasn't really bothered about it. We were like, if it plays at the Curzon once, you know, we'll have achieved something. And obviously, you know, we're very fortunate that it did better than that. And so, what was the budget when you started? The, the budget when we started was sixty grand, um, and we went up to sixty-six, and then. We did a few reshoots in about three months later, and we got four, I mean, it used 14 grand for that. And how did you spend that 60 grand? Well, I've had 60 grand for me. You know, because basically it was run like a totally proper production, you know, um, apart from the fact that we didn't pay people. So everything we had to pay for, like the stock and the processing, um, and and paid for the sound equipment and stuff like that. Um, feeding people, you know, putting people up, um, getting locations. Um, but really, you know, in the odds and sods, travel, you know, tra people's traveling and shit like that. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, actually what we really spent money, we had, we had a low loader once and there was a couple of action vehicles. And as I said, we had to pay for the special effects and stuff like that, but we, you know, one of the things I did was that my friend, 
that green car had the green Jeep that he drove. And I just rang him up and said, look, man, if you let us use your Jeep, you can be in the film, you can drive it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how you did it. You know, because I think that, you know, the main thing, you know, I forgot to mention about how it happened. The main thing I think is really important is to set a date. It's to set a date in, you know, in stone. We're making this film on that day, whether we've got 50 fucking pounds or we've got 50 grand, this is when we do it. Because if you start a momentum going, then it'll happen. I think it's when you're like, oh, I better get this, I need to get this. That's when I think you struggle. But if you're like, okay, August 13th, we are shooting this film. However we do it, whether we're doing it on video camera or cell tape or whatever we're doing, it's going to do it. And when, when you were making those decisions about film or video, uh, what, what was behind the decision? You, you shot it on 16mm. Yeah. Uh, had you considered video? I hadn't, no. Because the thing is, is, you know, lots of people make low budget films and lots of people make low budget films on video. I'm not a massive fan of video at all, HD video for me, film is what it is, film is film. And you either, you know, no matter what anybody says about it looking the same, that's video and that's film. I think it, it just doesn't. And for my own, uh, I personally, if I see a, a film on video and I see a film on film, my expectation of the film on film is, and my, um, I don't know what's the word, I just think film stands up a better chance of being taken more seriously by people. If it was shot on video, I don't, you know, I don't know what it would have done. It would have seemed much more low budget. Where if you shoot on film, it, it just adds a certain amount of production value to the whole project. But saying that, can you map people who ask me questions? You shot that on video, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and also like the two, three, you know, crop with a two, three, five crop, because you know it was always like with the score and everything. He said we are making a film and we're not making like a low budget you know, production. This is a, a film which is a, could, could play at the cinema. And so we looked at it with that attitude. We've got no money, but what we want to make is, is proper and we want it to you know, be the best it can be. People, I, I know people are obsessed with budget, with how much a film costs. People used to ask me that question. And I got round eventually to answering, well, how much do you think it costs? And it was always more than it cost if, uh, if, if it looked good. Sure, sure, sure. So I mean, if I, I suspect if, if you were to if, if you were to ask people to guess how much this cost, they'd probably be in the millions rather than the thousands. Well, I mean, yeah, people were obviously you know one of the selling points or whatever for the film, you know, in the media and stuff was obviously it was made for, on a shoestring, which obviously everyone said you know sixty grand or eight. I, don't, I really just think that the only thing that holds you back from making the film you want, obviously not a big sci-fi adventure, but you know, is you. I think if you want to make it the best it can be and have the production as well, you know, you could do it for nothing. You could literally do it for nothing. It would just be much harder, and it would take more time to sort out. So you know, money buys you a little bit of uh, the ease uh, of doing it. Uh, but you know, makes it much easier. Whereas I honestly believe, you know, I've made a 35 mil short for uh, 100 quid. You know, 
with all the gear and it, I just think it's really possible but you just have to really fucking push and not stop until you get it. Okay, so you sh you're out there, you're shooting for 19 days on yeah. limited amounts of 16 mil stock, I imagine. And limited amounts of sleep. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, running up using lack of sleep instead of money. Yeah. So what are the good things about that situation. What are the good things about shooting on that low budget? Um, well, we didn't we didn't send the script to anybody, uh, any sort of funding body whatsoever. We, because, as I found out with various other projects, you know, obviously with with the cottage, and, you know, as soon as money comes in, then uh, opinions come. Now, obviously, some of those are very good opinions, but others are for different reasons, either either commerciality or stuff like that, whereas we could basically all of us make the film that we wanted to make, regardless of, you know, because I really personally believe that would not get made if I went to, uh, to a company. It would be sanitized completely. So we had total freedom. Um, and, you know, we all, it's a, it a real collaboration with everyone involved. But also the thing about, ha you know, having no money, is what I found was really hard on the cottage is because you can change your mind. It doesn't change anything. Because if you want to shoot it on this location and, and so you go, actually, no, I need this. It, it, it needs to be different. They both cost nothing. So <laughs> there's not a, you know, there's not a battle. Whereas on the cottage, when we had money, you know, we, we weren't allowed to do certain things because it cost money. Hmm. Which had been spent. Which had been spent and, you know, couldn't be put on, on that particular area of the budget. So, there is a lot of freedom, I think, and that's, and also I believe it, it will be probably one of the only times you can literally make a film you want, because no one else can really say it. If you are, you know, if it's your film and you set it up and you're producing it forever, you can be involved in something like that. Where did this story come from? Um, if you, you say you wrote it in a weekend, so there must have been... Basically, well, I don't like it there to begin well, what happened was, I made a short film called Royalty in 2002, which was about Derek and Kelly, the same King's Cross, and it was with the same actor. Um, and anyway, a couple of weeks before I actually wrote it, I was just walking to my flat and I had my iPod, and I Moonlight Sonata came on to shuffle. And I was listening to it, and somebody just pictured in my head two girls walking into a really big home, which we couldn't afford, but a really big home, they um, just being amazed. And I pictured that and I was like, oh, fuck, you know, how did we get there? So I made up a little story in my head. And then I, then I literally didn't think about it too much until I came to write it and I just wrote and what comes next, I guess that would happen next. You know, what would they say, that's what they would say. And just, you know, I mean, it fucking hurt on Monday afternoon. I was in pain in my head. <laughs> and, um, but that's how it came about. But it's not something you went out and researched in great I, detail. Um, and to, to the frustration of a few people, no, I didn't do any research. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's got, uh, I mean, it's a, especially in the performances of, of the two girls, I mean, there's an incredible sense of reality there. So, and how did you get that? Where did that come from? If, you had, if it wasn't a world that you delved into? Um, well, the thing is, is, you know, 
it's weird because a lot of people have said how real it is. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not, I never said, I, I've never sort of gone, this is reality, this is, you know, obviously it's only my interpretation of how I believe that situation could arise and what would occur due to it. There are some people who say it's so unreal, it's ridiculous, you know, people agree, you know, and that's a fair point. And I said, okay, I think for me, you know, it's all about the performances. It's just, I think a lot of directors and a lot of writers perhaps don't, are, are afraid to do reality because it's not what they expect an audience to want. You know what I mean? Because we want to be entertained, we want all this. And, you know, sometimes reality can be extremely boring, um, but then that's reality. And for me, I'm quite interested in seeing, in, in seeing real people, real lives and stuff like that. But then if you walk around London, and you go to a, a, you know, certain pubs, you will see people, all, all different kinds of people. And for me, just watching someone talk, and what they're wearing and stuff like that, so I, I really try and understand who they might be and what their lives are like. I, I, sound, I sound like a mental stalker of <laughs> strangers, but no, but it's, um, it's, it's for me, it's just people, the way people talk. I would just, you know, I don't try and write something that I expect an audience would want to hear. I write, hopefully, what I would expect the character to say, regardless of whether it was a good thing, a bad thing, and, you know, if we had no morals. Or well, I think when I talk about reality, and in many ways I'm talking about performances, and I think especially, more for me, especially the performances of the two girls. Um, now, you started on the other side of the camera as an actor. Yeah. Uh, and at some point decided you wanted to switch sides and direct. Can you talk a bit about how your experience as an actor has affected the way you work as a director? Um, well, when I was an actor, you know, when I was at drama, you know, when you go to drama school, national you know, you which school did you go to? Lambda. And um, it gives a total false sense of security because. You know, I was a total arrogant twat. I really did think I was the beast bollocks. <laughs> and I clearly wasn't. And I sort of went straight. I was lucky enough to get a job, so you know, a TV job straight away, and another job. I, and then, you know, it was my first time of like, hang on, I'm not the most important person here at all. And that director doesn't think I'm important at all. <laughs> and sort of, it was a way. The directors, you sort of um, direct actors. That's the first thing I was like, you know, you're not helping me at all. In fact, you're making me feel extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> getting the best out of me. Not the best would be that great, but it's, you know, I didn't think I was getting the best out of me. So, my first thing of why I wanted to direct was because I, I, I like the collaboration with actors. And I really believe that without, without that, without an actor, in fact, without any single member of the crew being able to feel that they can make a suggestion and they can fail, then I think you're in trouble. I think you have to give everybody the, um, the space to relax. But especially actors, because if actors are tense or um, felt like that they're not being listened to, the performance is not going to be great or aren't going to be good. Whereas just working with actors and sort of understanding, you know, I'm how insecure they are. I mean, I'm totally insecure, and I think, you know, I, I look at it from that point of view, it's like I know that that person might need, you know, really would need me to go and, you know, 
different ways, but also lots of actors are very different, and all need different um, ways of directing. And that's why I think being an actor has helped me in a sense of direction. But um, after the first couple of films, or shorts, I really was like, actually I really like the frame, and I started to get into the frame. And that's equally as important. At what, what, what point in your career as an actor did, I mean, was there anything which actually triggered the decision apart from okay. this sense of yeah, not no. being a significant enough person in the process? Um, I, did a, I did a film um, called A Kind of Hush, and it was like a three, three or four million pound film. Like people made the commitments and it was all about rent boys and King's Cross and it was all about sexual abuse and stuff like that. And I obviously immediately thought it would I would be the most famous person in England by doing this film. <laughs> and it was only after I'd made it and sort of watched it, I was like, actually this is really shit. And not just me, it's just it's just a really shit film. <laughs> you know, purely because it's it's encapsulating a world that the writer doesn't seem to understand and it's written, it was written very movie do you know what I mean where I do think it was written because actually an audience would need this to understand that this guy was a red boy and you know to go over the fact that these guys have been abused they must make it very clear what it's like to be abused and that's not that's not reality that's not true people don't talk like they do in certain movies and people don't act like they do in certain movies and that's what made me go, you know, this story, which is a very tough subject matter, could be so much better if you played it for the truth of it, rather than what people believe is going to either sell or get an audience to respond to it. Because mm. I think that the more, the more truthful you are, and to be honest, the, more, the, the less judgmental you can be with your story and with your characters, I think the more an audience will respond to that. Because I don't think an audience needs to be told that sexual abuse is horrible and that um, paedophiles are bad. That's obvious. I just think you need to show it instead of tell it. One of the things that usually suffers in a low-budget film is the amount of rehearsal time you get with actors. Sure. Now, um, um, did, how, how did you work that with this film? Did you find time? Um, we had basically a week of afternoons. Um, and sort of rehearsal for me is very important, but the only we did a little bit of rehearsal on the script, but purely for Georgia in one afternoon, we just went through a few scenes. Whereas everybody else, um, it was all improvisation of what happened before the film, how they met, you know, what happened, what, what happened the week before. So, for example, there's a scene where Kelly walks in to see Derek where they discuss getting a girl straight away at first of all and she walks past Chum and she throws him a look and she threw in that look because we talked about what they did the week before and although that might not necessarily mean anything to anybody it just means something to them and I think that's you know they need to inhabit their life their characters and I think that's what rehearsal you know but I never lied, yes, it's very important. We, and the rehearsals for the college were much different because it's a different kind of film. But we really were quite um, structured about how we did it. But it was mainly the project. So, so the rehearsal for the <coughs> was about backstory and yeah. character, really? And that's all, that, that's, 
kind of film I feel what I'm making. If I'm making a, you know, a you know, silly horror comedy, which is supposed to be fun and over the top, you know, we talked about the backstory a fair bit, but we didn't need to go into lots of improvisation of how they got there, because it's a different kind of film, whereas it's not necessarily as truthful as London to Brighton, as I hope to Brighton is. So that's why with that film, and with the next one I do, I'm doing, it's important to get the characters right. Because if you get the characters right, then you follow them whatever they do. You'll, if you believe these people, then you'll listen and you'll go with them and you'll care about them. So, so what's the actor's job then? Is the actor's do job what I say. To <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the actor's job well be sitting at your knee. Is, the, is their job character and, and is it a sort of division of labour in that kind of way? I mean a division of labour. Well, I mean their job's character, your job's story. That their job is whatever you ask them to do, they they do it in character. Or is it? Is well, that, is, is yeah, but I mean, I think you know, no one was in ca character. Like no, no one was really method about it. Mm. You know, in the scene where George is tied up on the bed, you know, we were just joking around. I mean, you know, the little pillow fights happening while cameras are <laughs> You know, so it's all very relaxed. My, the job of an actor is to, and the job of everyone on the film, is to play the story. Is to, you know, is, is purely for the story of the film and not for anything else, not for individual performances. Not for awards, not for not for anything, not for self-indulgence. It's purely, it's for point A is the film being good and truthful, and that's what we're working for. So, can can you just describe for us when you arrive on set in the morning? Yeah. Could you just describe for us how the day starts and, and, and how you how? Uh, but when I get on set, first of all, I demand a copy. Which is liberty now. When I get on set, <laughs> we usually go to we'd be at the location and the first we'd we'd free the scene or well hopefully they'd do about the script if they you know, um, and we would just talk about it and talk about how, you know first of all say, is everyone happy? Is anyone want to say anything? And they're all sort of no, but they and they would their thoughts and we'd talk about it and just We'll like say, well, actually, we probably don't need to say this so we can get rid of this line. Um, and then we'd rehearse a few times. And then I'd, Chris, I'd speak to Chris and say, okay, well, that's this one, I need that two shot there. I need to make sure we catch him coming in. I need that particular bit at that moment. I need to be focused on that. You know, and we'll do a Hoover up as well. And, uh, yeah. and then we'd do a couple of takes. Now, one of the things people talk about with low budget films is when we finish the film, is how do we get distribution? How did that work for you? Um, well, when we had the film council on board, so in order to get funding from the film council, you have to have a distributor. So what they say is that we want to help you and we will try and get you a distributor. Um, so they made a screen, the rough cut, we had to uh, Miss Dion's in town and all, this, and all the uh, all the distribution companies came. Very scary day actually, and uh, they all came in and heard all the stories about blackberries and phone calls and people leaving.
didn't watch, I just watched them all go in and then I went away. And then I came back about five minutes before the end and no one had left. I was like, okay, well that's a good one. And then we had, we had a sort of bought a mini bidding wall with no money. There's different companies bidding, we're still not offering anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, eventually we went with Vertigo. And that's what uh, How did you make that decision? Um, because it was another company we were interested, but they had, they were already doing Red Road. Um, another company, a much bigger company, who we really liked, backed out. Um, for various reasons, nothing to do with the film actually, but we really went on to, to champion it. Um, another company was very small, and we were interested in what kind of DNA, what kind of press it is, like, what they do to the world, they're just how they marketed it, because I was adamant that it was not marketed as a gangster movie. Um, and then, yeah, there's the And it's done well at festivals. So that's how it started, I think. Yeah. That's, that's, it was at the end of the film festival, <laughs> and that's where the initial sort of interest came, because a few journalists saw it. Sean Connery was like, he saw it. Because, you know, cause that's where it started. That's when I was first like, and has it been picked up overseas? Um, I mean, it's, it's totally and utterly changed my life. You know, I met my lovely girlfriend over there. We're about to have a kid, well, one day. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've just finished my second film. I'm doing my third one in July, and we've got a fourth one in development with a, 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 another big company. Um, I've got Amer American agents now, and you know, and get sent. I get off of stuff weekly, daily, sometimes weekly. Just, it's incredible. I've got, I've never had any money in my life. I've always been on the dole. I've got a But trying to make films, obviously. Um, I, I haven't always been on the dole. I've done the best kind of job. But, you know, I've always been skinned. And I've actually, it's, a, it's the first time you know, I got paid for this film. And I imagine that the people who work for nothing on the film are benefited as well. Um, well, they well, definitely. <laughs> no, because the thing is, is we're starting to make the, you know people are going to get their deferred fees, mm. which is you know, and as for me and after, that's fucking rare that people get their deferred fees. So we're going to get their deferred fees. But for example, Chris Ross, the DP, has um, he's on his third feature this year, and he's got another two big projects coming up after that. Um, Lorraine's been uh, doing another film with some various projects. Johnny Harris has done loads of, uh, got a new agent and done much more than, you know, he's not been turning down work because he's had so much. Georgia Groom, who's a young girl, she's the lead in Paramount, Paramount 3 film deal. Um, yeah. And she was, you found in school with? I found in her workshop. The workshop. Okay. Um, well, I could go and ask you questions, but maybe time is getting on, so I'll open these up to the floor. Are there any questions? Yeah, hi. just wanted to ask you about the uh, non-linear structure. I mean, was that something that... Well, basically, I mean, I have my own ideas why that was suitable, but why did you think that was suitable for this? Okay, when I first wrote the script, I wrote it, and it was actually his boyfriend who read it and said, 
Why did he start? Oh, he, he, I mean, he, he didn't really like it. Like, he said, you know, what if it starts after just after this happened? And I was like, okay, yeah. So I went back and just moved the scenes around and, you know, changed the things like But in the script, the sort of, the flashbacks were very, it was, you know, they were all over the place. And we found that in the edit, it just didn't work at all. What we did is just come in together. And yeah, so that's how it worked. Movies change, man. From the minute, from every day, your own sort of image of what you think a film or a film, whether it be a short or a feature film, will be changes all the time. That film was nothing. Well, not nothing. It was not a lot. It was very different to um, structure-wise. Okay. Any more questions? Yes, the, the, the yeah. yourself, yeah. um, how, how did you get your team of producers involved? You produced it yourself, right? It was basically what happened was I raised the money and got various actors and got office, and, but then obviously I, have, I want to concentrate on um, directing. So I got the two producers from Nottingham and made the short, and I sent them the script, and they wanted to make a feature film as well. So the fact that we actually had 60 grand is better than having no grand. And that was um, something that, you know, you all wanted to make a film. And also my business partner, Ken Marshall, was working at the company that was supposed to be in the hospital. He's a good friend and he's someone I trust very much. And I said to him, you know, you should produce this as well in London, you know, in London because the other guys didn't have nothing to do, so like 50 before we shot. And that's how it went. Um, you've got an incredible performance from Georgia, how you dealt with um, she was, she was 13 when she did it. Um, she was, she's an extremely intelligent girl, more mature than half the other actors. She was, um, she totally understood reality in the film. So, she, you know, she was, she was old enough to take direction, but young enough not really go into it, if that makes sense, but not really mess her head up with how this and what this and how that. But she would be she would be open to um, you know suggestions about this and how but then I listened to her as well and said, you know, what do you think about this? But um, you know well, she, she um, to be honest she could cry like that. because we were working fucking work for like a twelve months. We could you know sixteen hour shoot something. And there's a scene there when we're in the car and she's crying and going all over. And I just remember she would be asleep. And we'd get the camera and we'd go, okay, George, you're going to Yeah, okay, you're really, this is where you're most of it. And I would do the thing and then she'd go, okay, that. <laughs> so, you know, there's sometimes very much like that. But she was a joy, an absolute joy, and totally a part of the collaborative process along with the other. Yep. Just curious as to how you actually did get the 66 grand. I've heard the Coen brothers got it from like doctors and lawyers and basically whoever they could find. How did you, how did you actually find that money? And basically there was a, uh, there's a man who, when I first made my short film, he's, you know, an ex-stock broker or an ex-insurance broker, just minted. And he, he's a dad, he's my friend, a friend's dad. Anyway, came and met me at my 
house and as you know, it's every thing that comes up, you know, see if I could help you. Now we got him involved in an EIS scheme and we raised fifty grand ages ago to make a short stuff, but he just got loads of rich mates, man. And, <laughs> and basically all he did was go to all his rich mates. Oh, I'm doing this film, if you fancy a pound, a thousand pounds, two thousand. And they're like, yes, I'll have a go. Because the genuine truth is, these people would spend, put that on a horse at the weekend in their cigar bill for fucking two months. So it's not a lot of money for them. But you need, they need someone who's a friend and the same age to go, oh, you know, we've got this, we've got this young group of people who are very interesting. And they need it, they, they did it as well so they could tell their friends at the golf course. It's stuck in my head that scene where they're, they're sat there, they've, I think they've just arrived in Brighton, yeah. and they're, they've got a, they're finishing their cup of tea, mm. and they throw the, the tea on the floor, and and they throw they throw the cup, and and the wind blows it, and and I, for some reason, it's stuck in my head the symbolism behind it. The, that even just the small detail, the fact that one cup blew faster than the other and it became like out of sight, and the the second cup, which was thrown by the girl, was still in sight. It, it's almost I felt that in my head it, it meant that you know this, the younger girl still had a life to lead, you know, it was still visible, it was still. Whereas the other one, I don't know, did you actually when you were writing exactly it? What I <laughs> no, it's not at all. Surprised. The truth of that story is, is that we were we wanted we went to Brighton like the first day was fucking cracking the flag. It was so sunny, it was brilliant. So we say, okay, set up the benches the night before, so this is the and next day it was like a hurricane. It was the worst weather we could ever imagine. And we were like, we can't do this thing. We just can't do it. So I was trying to write another scene on the spot. Eventually said, look, okay, let's do this up, do what else we can, and we'll come here first thing in the morning, and hopefully the sun's up. And it was supposed to be the most glorious day ever in the script. And we got up at fucking half five the next morning, and it's still really shitty. So I said, okay, fuck it, we just have to put it in the rain now. And we got there, and they weren't going to have tea before. So we gave the tea, and I was just thinking, actually,
in any way demeaning as a part of the film or as No, as I know, I know. But for me it was like that's a fucking piece of Hollywood crap doing that. <laughs> because that's you know, you basically you know, I'll be honest, I was like, I'm not having people I don't want people to say what I'm saying. No, sorry, I, I don't mean to say that. That was the reason at the time where I didn't want that because I didn't want to be accused of trying to manipulate you into having that sort of thought of, of what they're doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Cool. It reminds me of somebody once asked Lindsay Anderson why, when you've made the film it, why the interiors of the cathedral and the churches in that film were black and white, the rest of it was in colour and what was the meaning of that. And he said, we couldn't afford to light the interiors for colour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reason why, you know, when you make a film, when you make a film, there is so much that happens to it when you're doing it that affects what it's going to be. It really is. I mean, if it wasn't windy that day, and it was still sunny, we wouldn't have that. It's kind of, it's, it's serendipitous, but it's part of the organic yeah. nature of making a film, isn't it? Do we have another question? Um, you mentioned as an actor, you had some experiences with bad directors that yeah. made you feel really uncomfortable and insecure. I'm just wondering sort of what they did and, and, and what you didn't like about it. Well, I remember to make the, bad director. the first job I did, it was a big BBC series, and um, in my first scene, and I looked up to the director, and he just wouldn't, he didn't even look at me, he just talked to me. Okay. Yeah, again, you know, <laughs> and you're like, well, what, you know, what, again, how? You know, what did I do wrong? And, you know, I totally agree that need to be encouraged, as I said, to fucking fuck up, to fail, to try new things. And if you've got a director who's literally saying, um, okay, one horse is no, okay, one no, okay, if in the whole in, if in the whole series you're going to cry, if now, and that was his note. And like, brilliant. <laughs> and you know, and I work with directors like that who don't necessarily have have any real interaction with the performers. And the performers are going to if you don't have the performances good, then what's the point of having to work good, lit well, and shot nicely? So that's what made me think. You're not dealing with me and him and her and I think in the way that we get the best out of them and me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the uh, song being shot in the yeah. um, did you do the bar for 35 basically the pieces of the Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you were able to get a few on that? Well, we, what happened was Molinaire was going to do it, but they saw 17 and they said, I'll finish this film for you, well, it's cut yeah. for the film. And, um, but then the film cast came on board and just paid them. So, but, you know, we just done the other one on the DI, and there's so much more freedom to fuck around with the film. Yeah. On, on the cottage, was that 35? Yeah. And how did you find that, bearing in mind 16, the cameras physically smaller, because it's a very different film. Yeah. That's why it's all handheld and the cottage is, is all dolly and track and yeah. frame. So it's 
So it's very much, it was a totally different way of shooting and much different way of lying. Mm-hmm. Was it as enjoyable? Um, to be honest, it was a like six weeks of night shoot. It was a killer. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, you have five, 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 five,
Sorry, at the back, please, yeah. um, I'm just wondering how long you've been writing scripts uh, for when you finally sort of found the one that worked for you, um, okay. this film. How long have you been writing scripts for before um, some that didn't really work out? Or? Well, the first time I wrote a script, I wrote a short film for the Lloyds Bank Film Challenge when it used to happen. And I remember just sending it in on A4 in Byro. did get made. And um, <laughs> then I sort of left London for a bit and went back to live with my parents. Sadly. Sat in the room and I had this great idea about an old man and skinhead and I thought, fuck, I'm going to that. So I wrote it. First draft, clearly the most amazing screenplay ever written by anybody. Every week, because I was on a dole, every two weeks I'd send two out to agents convinced I would be a millionaire by it, and it was fucking rubbish. But from there, it, from there I started to go, actually, no, it is wrong, and I started to change, and then from there, you know, I, it got options, and I, I wrote another couple of scripts, I wrote The Cottage, and I wrote one when I was in America, and they were both options. And I tend to write without really thinking uh, too much about it, I tend to just sort of let it out and not go back to it and go up and go back, you know, page four saying, okay, shit, man, I should change that. I tend to just get it all out. And then usually what happens is I send it off without reading it. <laughs> and, and actually, to be honest, that's the one that's just got permission, actually. But it's, uh, you know, I've also written some toilet as well. Um, but writing, I think, is, I don't believe in reading film literature, how to write screenplays. I've never read, read a screenplay book. I've only, the only book I've ever read to do a film is The Toilet Filmmaker's Handbook, which I do think is a very good book. But I know writers who really fucking like formula, formula of the script. But page 52, this needs to happen. You know, and that's just crap. That's, I think that is just crap. I think that you've got to write a good story with, with good characters. And, you know, what you think you've got to write what you feel, do you know what I mean? Instead of really being structured, I need the structure now, I'm going to get fucking, no one's going to read it, it's not in this format, which is just bollocks. It's just got to be a good story. All right, sorry. Thank you, Mum. Last question. So the rewriting process, is that not a uh, major part of, of the writing or something that you just do these all in one? I do, well, for example, London Sprite, I would say, is 90% first draft. Cottage, it's a, you know, development process can be a real fucking nightmare. So rewrites are extremely important and they happen all the time. Because uh, if, you know, I write the script and then I'll read it again, I'll go, God, that's terrible, and then change it, and that's terrible. And the next time I read it, I'll go, oh, that's, that's terrible. And, you know, just change little tiny things every time I go through it. I believe you can rewrite stuff to death and it can fuck a project up. So my advice on, on writing is get the advice of people who you trust. So, but rewriting is important because obviously first drafts are usually and have been 